Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Man, I got to tell you, Mike, I got to tell you, I got I to gotta be real with you. More than usual, I'm in such a good mood. I'm in a mood right now. I'm a whole mood, as they More say. More I'm, I'm in a, I'm a vibe right now. And not just because it's Friday. Okay. You know, and honestly, I don't get too hyped for Fridays because I say, well, Friday just means we're right back at Monday in two days. But no, I, I mean, Friday is, you know, feel good Friday, feel goodwill Friday. Vinny Goodwill joining us later. This is a big time Friday. Yesterday, we had Elaine Thompson and Ra. The fastest woman in the world, second fastest woman in history. If you missed it, check it out on YouTube uh, or our Instagram for the full conversation. She was fantastic. And then as an encore, we got Stephen Curry falling through today. Stephen Curry is coming up in about 30 minutes or so. So, But I'm, I'm not excited about the show as much as I'm excited about I'm in a mood right now, Michael, because nothing puts you in a mood like good music, brother. You know that. You know that. You, right. you could be a professor of music. Right. Okay, you've been a professor of journalism. You could be a, a professor idea. of music. Nothing puts you That's in the mood. That's a good idea. Like the right music. I, I, I've been pre-gaming. I've been pre-gaming, if you will, with music today because, Michael, today, and I know you know it, today is a double milestone anniversary in the history of hip-hop. Happy 25th anniversary to Illadelph Half-Life, the third album from The Roots. And happy 30th anniversary. Wow. Happy 30th anniversary to one of the definitive, most influential, most groundbreaking albums in hip-hop history, The Low End Theory, the second album by A Tribe Called Quest after People's Instinctive Travels in the Path of Passive Rhythm. I know A Tribe Called Quest is your favorite all-time hip-hop group. Low End Theory came out when I was 12. Illadelph Half-Life came out when I was 17. When I was 17. So I was at this developmental stage in in terms of adolescence and and heading into my teenage years and heading into college and adulthood. Both these albums mean so much to me. So, Michael, I spent the whole day. You ever been at home alone? You ever been at home by yourself with, like, no wife, no kids? Not so much recently. Not so much recently. Well, today I had that. And I had the Sonos... The Sonos was blasting Illadelph Half-Life oh, today. Oh, yeah, crank it up. Blasting low in theory today. So I'm hype. So, Michael, I will ask you, which of these incredible albums, which means so much to both of us, both the groups, both the acts and the albums, which oh. one would you like to recognize and reflect upon first? Take your pick. Which one? Ooh. When we you and I way. verse. We got all day. At war. When you and I at verse war. at war. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, the way, that, the way that joint drops. But no, I tell you, I, I, I think I have to go in chronological order because you were 12 okay, years that. old. Nothing but 12. You were 12 when Low End That makes you 22. Um, that makes you 22. I was 21. We've, we've established this. No, I was 21. We've established this. You're 10 years older in, than me. We've established in this. In September we've, of 1991. <laughs> September 24, 1991. That would make me 21 years old. And I remember listening to it in my dorm room at Point Park University. It was Point Park College at the time. And 
this was, you said it, it, it was part of your childhood, but it was part of my maturation. This, this is really how I started to put some things together and learn. Because keep in mind, both of these albums are groundbreaking and, and envelope pushing in different ways. So the groundbreaking aspect of A Tribe Called Quest was, uh, there was these young Afrocentric brothers from New York who were bringing in elements of jazz to mm-hmm. hardcore hip hop. I mean, they, they could go. Like Q-Tip could rhyme. It's not like it, when you say jazz and hip hop, it's not, and believe me, I'm not I'm we not hating on jazz. this because this we this is my life. It's not like we got it's the not jazz. like we're just in a cafe where everybody's doing this right. and it's slow. Right. If he needed to, if he needed to just go full throttle, he could do it. So you had that combination of a true hip hop head and a true jazz head bringing it together. Right. So it, it was really bridging a gap that did exist that doesn't exist so much anymore. Okay, for example, when Q-Tip says on low end theory, Ron Carter on the bass, that's right, on we got the Ron Carter on the bass. Okay, who's Ron Carter? Ron Carter played with Miles Davis. So Ron Carter yeah. was part of the jazz, like a pure jazz tradition. Now he's coming right. up to take part in this new hip hop. Uh, this this new avenue in hip hop. And so Tribe Called Quest did that all the time. So you could learn about hip hop. You could learn about jazz. They sampled Earth, Wind and Fire. They sampled Jimi Hendrix. All the samples. They sampled all Stevie the Wonder. samples. Michael, yeah. real quick. Don't, don't, so don't lose your train of thought. That's where I'm was. going to send you. I'm going to send you a, a playlist titled a couple of years ago. And I have it saved. Title did the samples of a tribe called Quest which as you might imagine yeah. is dozens and dozens of songs. The samples that Q-Tip use, MC and producer Q-Tip, musical genius. Continue, you were saying. Right. Yeah, well, and, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna park on that curve uh, coming up in a second. But the sample game at that time would lead you on these, you talk about digging in the crates. Okay, you dig in the crates for an album or a 12 inch remix, old school but it would send you digging for the original artist and then you would want to then you'd learn about that artist and then as you learn about that artist you'd learn about others so that's what a, a tribe called quest wasn't just the experience of listening to the lyrics which were playful which were profound but it was also the whole environment the whole vibe that a tribe called quest gave you and you know you talk about q-tip the producer when i saw beats rhymes in life and I saw his process, how he would just pop into record stores and he put something on and he listened to it and say, oh, wait a minute, that would be a great sample. It sounds simple, but some of the samples, if you go back to the original, you'd say, how did oh, he get from yeah. there yeah, no. to there? Yeah. Dude is a chemist. He was, he was mixing really is. elements. He was, a, he was a straight chemist, bro. Um, masterpiece. I'll use a line from Black most, Thought. What were you about to say? It's the most what? Go no, no you go. It's the most really what? It, it's the most influential hip-hop album of my life. For me. For me, personally. Yeah, I would agree. It is, it, it, I, it, I know, I would agree. It touched, me, it touched me in a way that no other album has. No, in many respects, at it was that, my introduction you know, to hip-hop. Time. Yeah, yeah, at 12 years old, it was, it was my, really my introduction to hip-hop. For, that's, that's when I started to kind of explore and experiment music for myself. Um, no, what I was going to say was, um, 
Oh, Masterpiece. I, I'm, I'm going to use a line from Black Thought from another album uh, from Everybody is a Star, the tipping point, when he said, I'm a paraphrase, we lose, we lose in grip of what garbage mean. Like, Masterpiece gets thrown around way too much. Masterpiece is like, right. we use that way too loosely. The low end theory is a masterpiece that stands the test of time. And even though we're talking about it because it's 30 today, it's an album you can listen to every day. And most important, there is not a track you can skip. There is not a track you say, you know what, I'm good on that. I mean, and, and we talked about this earlier when it came to what we do in interviews and questions. Like, sequencing is so important in the order of it because when you go from excursions, you know, time is running and running in vain and running. Was that the last poets, if I'm not mistaken, right? Running and running. Last right. poets. And then, so, right. And then, an example. Then, you learning about boom. the last poets. <laughs> Right. Then it's boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yo, microphone check one, two. Yeah. What is this? I mean, it's like it's just bugging out. It just comes out so yeah. hard, and it's just it just goes from there. I'm listening to it today, all the way through scenario. Which, for in terms of an ensemble song, whether it's the Flavor Year remix, whether it's scenario. I mean, there's so many songs that have had ensemble cast and, and different MCs contributing. Scenario takes a backseat to nobody. I mentioned we got the jazz. Check the rhyme. People quote check the rhyme in casual conversation. If knowledge is the key, then just show me the lock. Got the scorny legs, but I move just like Lou Brock with speed. I'm agile. Put some with your while. 100% intelligent black child. I mean, it's just this so it, it is it is an incredible work of art. And just to kind of take you like so I'm 12, right? I could barely buy these albums for myself. It wasn't an album. It was one of my first cassette tapes that I ever owned. Tapes. And then Again, I didn't know much in. about Tribe because I'm growing up in New Orleans. I hadn't really been exposed to Tribe as much back then. Obviously, there was no internet in 1991, so I wasn't hip to Tribe like I like I wish should have been or I wish I were, but I just went back. And this is going to be a theme. I went back and I got People's Instinctive Trap Pass the Rhythm. I ordered that on BMG. Uh, you know, remember that? Remember BMG? You get like five CDs <laughs> for like course. 10 cents yeah. or something like that. I, w- I went and got that from BMG. <laughs> And I feel like the first okay. CDs I ever bought on BMG, if I'm not mistaken, it was People's Instinctive, Tra- pa- People's Instinctive Travels in the Passive Rhythm, The Chronic, and something else. And when I bought them, I had to hide it because that parental advisory explicit content sticker was on the front, and Miles wasn't trying to hear that in the crib. So those are like the first two yeah. c- CDs I ever bought with my own money that I had in my Sony Discman back in the day. So in that man right there, rest in peace, Fife. I got to tell you, man, Fife. I'm a name drop a little bit in this conversation. I'm a name drop just a little bit. I'm going to give it back just to you. Just a short brother, Look. dark skin face. Way a buck fifty. Way a buck fifty. Thirty six waist. <laughs> I mean, like, look, I this I got. I had the pleasure Rest on the show I used to do. Fife. On the show I used to do, Fife came on the show. Fife was a fan of the show, and Fife came on. And brilliant as Fife was. For our purposes, for the most part, I mean, we are a current event culture show with a concentration on sports, but like Fife, his sports acumen, his sports knowledge, and his sports references for the day were second to none. Oh, oh great. Rest Always. in peace, Fife. Just genius. Just, yeah. just unbelievable genius. Look, shout out, uh, shout out to the whole, tri- the entire Tribe Called Quest, okay? How about problems? Jerobe, everybody. How about problems? And to top it off, Top it off, Starks got ejected. Starks got, got ejected. Problems. That's the next one. That's on Midnight Marauders. But uh, yeah. Ali, Ali Shaheen Mohammed, Jerobi White. And, oh, and last yeah. thing, last name drop. Last name drop real quick. So 
you know, going back to that uh, that Marcus Aurelius quote from from uh, from Gladiator. You know, you 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 knew Marcus Aurelius. I didn't say I knew him. I said he touched me on the shoulder once. Like I've never met Q-Tip, right? But one time I was in a party and Q-Tip was DJing it, and I'm walking around the party and it's like, you know, I ain't no damn celebrity. I, who, who the hell am I, right? I'm just walking around and Q-Tip, he's spinning and whatnot. He got the headphones on and he sees me and he does this. I'm like, oh, oh there it shit. Is. I'm like, Q-Tip, That's all no way am I. I it. like, so it's, so I'm like, you can't tell me nothing. I'm like, I don't care who else I see at this party. Q-Tip know who I am, man. So love those dudes, man. I mean, it, they they introduced me to hip-hop, in a, in a, and, and it just from there, to me, that album, Low End Theory, might be the standard by which every hip-hop album is measured, quite honestly. Like, it's, I don't think you can find yeah. a more complete, more perfect hip-hop album than the Low End Theory. I would say this though, yeah, introduce introduced you to hip hop. I was in on hip hop. It got me deeper into hip hop and deeper into jazz because I think at that time, right around that time, to make sure my timeline is correct, there were two things that really just turned me into like a major like three three big incidents turned me into a big time jazz head. Okay. One was listening to a Love Supreme for the first time. Okay. I, I, we didn't talk about John Coltrane mm-hmm. yesterday, but this is just an appropriate time. Listening to a love supreme Belated, for the first time. Heavenly don't birthday. Mind. I don't mind. I don't mind telling you. Uh, I put that in. It hit me in a way I wasn't ready for it. Tears coming down. I'm like, why oh, am I crying? Sure. Listening to this. Oh God. I mean, oh yeah. So, oh, absolutely. So Coltrane. Experience. Coltrane is a major, uh, major figure, major inspiration for me. That's my oldest. That's his middle name. That's how. That's how much John Coltrane uh, means to me and means to mm-hmm. my family. So. Listening to Love Supreme for the first time, uh, listening to the Low End Theory, and right around that time, I read Miles Davis's autobiography with Quincy Troop. So if you've never read that book, one, the brilliance of it is that it sounds, Quincy Troop did a great job. It starts off, Miles Davis is giving you the, what, what, what Tom Brady allegedly called Derek Carr, he starts off with that. Okay. That's like in the first <laughs> sentence, first couple sentences. But more than capturing Miles' voice, he gives you like this history of jazz without giving you a history of jazz. He's just talking about dudes he played with and dudes he admired. And you hear him talking about him like, wow, the way he talked about Charlie Parker, the way he talked about Dizzy Gillespie, uh, the way he talked about Joe Henderson, the way he talked about Art Blakey, all these people you wanted to listen to them. So I'd say, I'd say those three things were like the pillars were like really the foundation yeah. of my jazz knowledge. Yeah. So, uh, shout out, so look, shout out to that crew. So you see what I'm starting to show with, there might be a wardrobe change later in the show. I'm starting to show with my favorite hip hop, my favorite hip hop band, my number one MC of all time, hands down. And I have been saying this for years. Anybody that's ever listened to me knows that I do not do not at me argue with your mama. I have never wavered from Black Thought is the greatest <laughs> MC of all time, in my mind of all time. Okay, I, I be before I second the that. Hot ninety seven freestyle. I second it. At, it any questions? Okay, good, good. We're done. Good class dismissed, and we'll go, uh, class is the operative word. But for me, history. So September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six. I'm 17 at the time. I was 17 uh, in my senior year of high school. Now, at some, I didn't know. I, I missed organics, and I missed. Do you want more? So I'm watching. It might have been Rap City. Shout out to Big Tigger. It might have been Rap City. It might have been The Box. 
but I was watching this video called what they do. I'm like, yo, that video is hot. Never do yeah. what they do, what they do. You know what I mean? Then you see this the principles of true hip hop, <laughs> and then forsaking is all contractual and about money making. Probably I mean, with that hat on. So I'm like, yo, what is this group that are talking about? Never, never do what yeah. they do. So I start del- delving into Illidel Half Life, and I'm like, bruh, who, where, where have you been all my young seventeen year old life? So I listen to Illidelph Half-Life, and that's another perfect album. I mean, I tried to pick a top five off of that 20-track album if you include intro and outro. I mean, Section, Concerto of a Desperado, Clones. You mentioned when you and I versus at war with Common. You know, The Hypnotic. Yes. The Hypnotic was another go-to, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? So with, yep. with D'Angelo. Yep. So look, man, it, uh, incredible album, and... At that, then I went back yeah. and listened to Organics, Do You Want More? And the reason why I thought is the GOAT for me, and I think you relate to this, and I'm not saying like you oh, and I no, somehow, well, you more, you, you more than me, but we're superior writers to anybody else. But I think the writer in us, I know the writer in me, appreciates how yeah. Black Thought, unlike anybody else, can manipulate the language. He is the epitome right. of if you don't listen closely, you're going to miss it. He is the most well-read, most learned, most has the most range of reference of any MC I've ever heard. Okay, like That's he right. is educating right. you and taking you to school bar by bar, verse by verse, track by track, album by album over the last thirty years, and still doing it. He made, he's like, wait, what did he just say? I mean, and he and he, and he will take the English got, language and manipulate it. He's got to go back. Clever word pl- play. Most, yeah, yeah, most clever go back wordplay, sometimes. best flow. I mean, and you and I have bonded over this. I mean, you and I back in the day yeah. used to bump Illadelph, Game Theory, um, Things Fall Apart. Things Fall Apart, uh, you know, what, what, uh, used to be uh, the next movement was the was a theme to my yeah. podcast back in the day. That was a theme to my podcast back in the day. That, that's how much I had put on for Black Thought. And I'll just say this real quick, too. And you and I, how many concerts have you and I been to together? How many backstage experiences have we had with The Roots? You and I have bonded over it. Like, our friendship is rooted in The Roots. Michael Holly and Michael Smith's brotherhood is rooted in The Roots. One time, I think I might have told you a story before. All-Star Weekend in New Orleans. NBA All-Star Weekend in New Orleans. So I'm at home. Homecoming, practically, right? I'm in the lobby at a W Hotel. I believe it was me and Jay Adonde. We sit in the lobby. One of the finest women to ever walk this, this earth, okay? Melissa Ford. Somehow I'm sitting across from Melissa Ford. Don't ask me how, but somehow I'm talking to Melissa Ford, okay? And I'm actually holding a conversation with Melissa Ford. I see Black Thought, Tariq Trotter, walking in the lobby of the W Hotel. I'm like, and bro, I ran, (laughs) accosted this dude in the elevator, and was like, say, bro, I don't usually do this, which is the, which is the patron saint call, which is the call, the maiden call of people who usually do this. I don't usually do this, <laughs> but I just had to tell you how much, yeah. how much I love what you do, how much I appreciate you. The coolest dude, and ever since then, I go overstate it, but a, a relationship and a, oh, yeah, and a friendship seriously. was born. Like, that's my dude. He's been good to me. He's been great to me. And so, like, that's how much I love I love Black Thought. That I left a conversation with Melissa Ford. Not that I had a chance, but I left a conversation with Melissa Ford to talk to Black Thought. That's the regard where I hold him, see, that I hold Black Thought. So, see, floor is yours. 
I'll tell, I'll tell the people, I'll tell the people two stories because everything you said, everything you said, okay, I'm going to co-sign that and we'll keep going. Uh, DocuSign, I got my signature already in there. Just go ahead, MH, 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 we good, okay? <laughs> everything you just said. All right, now, two stories about the Roots and the Michaels. And one time, um, Michael Smith, I get a phone call from Michael. It's probably like 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. I don't know where you were headed through Boston. Maybe you're, going, you're, going, you're catching a flight through Boston from Connecticut. Hey, man, um, I'm right by your house. <laughs> Come outside for a second. <laughs> oh, Come outside. Yeah. And, and it was, I think it was streams of thought. At that point, it was streams of thought. So streams we of said, thought, I mean, the kids, the kids are in, I'm getting the kids ready for school. We just sit in the car <laughs> for a second and we listen to Black Thought on streams of thought. And we're like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That's real. That, yeah. That's serious. And yeah. it, so mm -hmm. that's, that's what it was. But then in concert, so we used to go, the Roots used There's to no come to Boston. There's no concert like the Roots. There's no the concert day like the after, Roots. it was usually either the day after Christmas. Christmas or a couple days after Christmas. Yeah. 26th, 27th, yeah. House of Blues, Boston, yep. the Roots are in concert. So the last time we saw them, I think, together. This was following the the epic Hot 97 Funk Master Flex yeah. freestyle that Thought did. And we're like, you remember this conversation said, yo, what's up with that freestyle? He said, yeah, I just had some things on my mind. Oh, look, hey, I got things on my mind too. They just don't come out like that. It's like, what, what was that? And he's just so humble and casual yes. about it. And he yes. even, and, and so he did, we, this is before the show. Before the show, we make a reference to the freestyle. During the show, he has like a little clap back to our conversation and freestyles on the freestyle for us just because he could. Yes. I mean, this is, yes. this is a lyricist of, of elite ability. And I'll tell you, I've said many times, if I could get him to come visit my class and just talk about writing, I'll just let him talk. Just talk. The students, Mike, the students will be better for it. Mike, I used to have to shout out to Tina Ferris. Tina Ferris is Black Thoughts tour manager, Tina. who was always the plug, always the Thank plug you. on not just yep. getting into the concerts, but backstage kicking it with them. And they were always so welcoming. Um, and uh, I, I spent so much time, Michael, on the road and I can't tell you how many times that so people so I'm sorry uh, beginners what is it uh, the beginners guide homegrown homegrown beginners guide to the roots homegrown is a double album right and there is the, the the seed melting pot web medley okay that got me through so many road trips that people driving mm -hmm. on the highway must have thought I was crazy for how I was jamming out and rocking out to the roots Barry, you remember the dude has sent me so many unreleased tracks over text. Like, I'm like, you, is, am I really, is this Black Thought sending me track? And I played them for you, I right? I know, it's really generous. Oh, remember when we, I mean, remember we, we were in this trailer it, in Rhode Island? In Rhode Island. Yes. In Rhode Island. And yeah. he's playing music for us, like, oh, I ain't even put this out yet. I mean, he's, he, like, he's incredible. What do you I can think? go on oh, and on about it's great. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we, 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 I don't know. I can't really process what I'm hearing because I'm sitting next to the greatest MC of all time with the politics. But, but everybody, just, I know a lot of people got goats. Thing, he's my goat. He's, he's, he's my goat. Last thing. 
to land the plane. Yeah. To land the plane on the roots. We've talked a lot about black thought. The group itself. The group itself. Oh, that's true. Very true. Tremendous. Yes. Because. Yes. yes. The concert Thank you for doing experience. That. I've always said this. I've always said this. I've I've heard the roots. Do Biggie, better than Biggie. I've heard the roots yes. do Jay better than Jay. Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. Earth, when, they, when they do Sweet Child of Mine. When they do Sweet the Child Beatles. of Mine. Oh my God. <laughs> so war. The, have you range. ever seen? Have you ever seen him do? Me and Baby Brother used to run together. Yeah. I mean, they they incredible. Oh, when Captain Kirk plays the national anthem and then they go into Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, I, I, I yeah. practically know they're set. You are hundred percent right. Because Questlove, do you know that ended up Half Life? I think that was the first time I, re- I read somewhere where he said that he almost quit the band, and it became like a tradition Why? that he would he would almost because of creative differences he would almost quit, and then it became the boy who cried wolf. They were like, all right, he'll be back. So he he almost quit at Philadelphia Half Life. Thank God he didn't. But whether it's, I mean, this. Everybody, that entire group, and, I, and I, I've had the pleasure of meeting them all. They've all been fantastic, and you're right. The Roots, Black Thought is the front man. He's the MC. We spent a lot of time on him. You're right. I'm so glad you did that because it's more than just the MC. And, and to me, they transcend hip-hop. They transcend hip-hop. I, 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 oh, almost, no feel, yeah. they, I almost feel like kind of guilty for reducing them. And it's no disrespect to the, the, the broad genre that hip-hop is, but there's so much more. They cannot be put into a single genre. They're their own entity, as far as I'm concerned. They can't be limited to a single definition. And I mean, I just, bro, I love them. I love them so much. I love them. I, is it? Do you think I like the Roots? I mean, I know you do too. I mean, it's just, <laughs> whew, man. And so today was just a good day because I'm sitting there like, oh man, you know. And we just lost Malik B. Uh, not that long ago, if I'm not mistaken. But I remember yeah. talking to Kamal. Yeah. And meeting him, he was phenomenal. Um, I mentioned Knuckles. I mean, they just, all of them are just so incredibly talented. So you're right. Let's land this plane. Let's go ahead and take this break. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm just getting too hyped right now. But happy anniversary to Illadelph Half-Life. Happy anniversary to Low End Theory. Huh? Why don't you give us some bars? Why don't you give us some bars right now? Oh, which one? Which song? Anything. Go ahead. Give us some. Give us some. Oh, man. I can't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I can't even pick a song. I'll, I'll think of one. I'll think of one. You put me on the spot. I'll think of one. And it weighs a ton. Read G's, everybody. I'm a son of a gun. Black master of any trade under the sun. Talk sharp like a razor blade under the tongue. Clear my path to come get your captain hung. Want to breathe like brack or collapse your lung. Young chump, you can choke off the web I spun. I can do this all day, bro. I can do this all day. That's not Illidelph Half-Life, but it just came to mind for some reason. But happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you to the Roots. watch the way we called the game it means we trust them you know even on that last drive I mean we're, we're throwing you know four verticals with them and um, you know I you know I just think in my mind I say to myself all the time like 
you know, these are professional football players. They've been doing this their whole lives. You know, they, they let, let them go play. Like, don't try to don't try to overmanage the game. Let them go play. Let them make plays. And so, sometimes you go for it fourth and half a foot, and you don't get it. They make a play, and sometimes you know we go make a play. So, um, uh, but I think one thing about Sammy has some moxie, man. I mean, he's I mean, he stayed in the pocket, had that long run called back, but you know, finding Terrace on the third and twelve. I mean, there were some huge conversions by Sam, and again, it's him just playing within the system. But also, I think he has a courageousness that. You know, um, he, he's not crossing the line, going over the top. He's he's protecting the football and still pushing the ball down there. And got, you know, look at the play Alex Erickson made. I mean, that, that ball because it's going to be picked. Is it not going to pick? It makes a great play. So a lot of production from a lot of different places. Oh man, Sam handled the game tremendously well. Uh, he led well. Uh, he kept poised at the times where he needed. He made big throws. Um, and then you know when, when it came down to it, he made plays with his feet. Um, I mean, that's all you can ask from a quarterback uh, is just to go out there and, you know, uh, do what he can uh, and, and, and fight to win. What, what did you learn about him in that second half without McCaffrey out there that you didn't know before? Uh, we got a good one, man. Um, I mean, we got a good one. And he's only going to get better. Uh, so, uh, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's always hard playing without one of your best players. But uh, Sam stepped up and did a, did, did a tremendous job tonight. So, Michael, you know, we have some fun on this year's show telling each other that I told you so. We both enjoy being right, and it certainly beats the alternative of being wrong, right? But Yeah, sure. So I, I, I sure. like being right. I like being right, but... Okay. I, li- I, I like that you especially admit like, it. But I, I especially like being right about somebody in a good way. Okay, I I, I like being right in this context for Sam Darnold's sake. Okay, so this isn't about me being right. This is about I knew that Sam Darnold was not what we saw under Adam Gase in New York. I knew all he needed was a fresh start. I was very adamant at the beginning of the draft process. You and others convinced me that Zach Wilson was the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, and he still might be. It's early. Mm, he still might right. be. But you'll recall that I was very adamant that there was a lot to be said. I know there's economics involved. R- rookie contract for Zach Wilson, 50-year option for Sam Darnold. I get it. There's a lot to be said for keeping Sam Darnold and building a better team around him. But maybe that wouldn't have worked out. Maybe he needed just what he got, which was a change of scenery. And I love this story more and more. I love the fact that Sam Darnold was 3-10 in his last 13 starts with the Jets, and he's 3-0 with the Panthers in In his his first first, three starts. In his first three starts with with Carolina. Right. What I'm loving about this story is this is not, first of all, who Carolina wanted. That's a good throw. David Tepper was as hot, if Mm. not hotter, after Deshaun Watson, ironically, after what Sam Darnold did last night against the Texans, was as hot, if not hotter, after the Sh- uh, Sean Watson as Stephen Ross in Miami is, was and is. Sam Darnold was a bargain. They went bargain shopping. It's like, oh, okay, you'll give him to us for a, a six this year, and I think a second next year, whatever it is. Oh, sure, we'll take a 24-year-old quarterback reclamation project. What I love about it is he was their second choice. He was an afterthought to who they really wanted because they really were in pursuit of a star quarterback. How soon we forget that coming out of USC, he was a star quarterback, so much so that the Jets traded up to number three to get him. And when he was in New York, he was sexy. 
He was going to be the face of the franchise. Now all Carolina really needs him to do is to be steady and stable. Yeah. And now there's no pressure on him to be a savior the way he had to be in New York. Now he comes in with very low expectations for, for, from the outside world, and he's thriving. And then you saw a toughness, and, a, and Matt Rule said a moxie in the second half without Christian McCaffrey. I love Cameron Irvin saying, we're not the Carolina Christian McCaffreys. We're a team. I can't wait to see 24-year-old Sam Darnold continue to mature and grow and get better and show that, like, hey, again, unanswered prayers. Sometimes the tr best trades are the ones you don't make, or sometimes you fall right. in love with the person you least expect. And I'm just so happy to be right about Sam Darnold because I'm happy for him. It was not on him how much he failed in New York. I know he had some bad habits, but it's amazing what a change of scenery will do. Mike, I, I, I got to tell you, I am not, um, I'm not a USC groupie. As a matter of fact, in the USC-UCLA battle, I tend to favor UCLA. Why? Because one of my boys is the athletic director at UCLA. Shout out, shout out, Martin Germont. But really, so it, it's not, this is not a USC thing. I certainly don't cape up for the New York Jets. Does anybody in New York even do that? Okay, I love taking shots at the Jets. It's they amazing. got fans. They got so, hardcore fans. So I know they do. I know they do. It's just, it's just fun. <laughs> so it's not a USC I thing. It's not a Jets so, thing. It's not. Why am I rooting for Sam Darnold? Why am I rooting for the Carolina Panthers? Man, I'm rooting for them last night. Like, like, like oh, that's my team. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I think it's, it's part of, it's part of what you said, is that. These guys, and not just Sam Darnold, maybe because Sam Darnold is um, a composite of a lot of people, of a lot of first-round quarterbacks, highly drafted quarterbacks who have been put into difficult, if not impossible, situations and been judged immediately unfairly. Uh, they've had their performances judged. They've had the, performance, uh, the performances of the teams that they played for judged before anybody was ready to be a, a real together organization. So in the case of Sam Darnold, he's dropped into New York. The franchise is a mess. You got Adam Gase, who should never be a head coach again for anybody. I'm not, talking, I'm not no. talking about the NFL. I'm talking about college. I'm talking about high school. Like, he, no, no <laughs> more Lee, Sam Darnold. Uh, no, no, I mean, no Warner, more Adam Gase. No, fantasy football. Done. So Adam Gase <laughs> is, your, is your coach. You've got all kinds of drama going on. I think the first GM was Mike McCagnan, if I'm not mistaken. So Mike McCagnan was there. That and then right. Gase kind of got him out. And then Douglas comes in. They're losing players. It's just a chaotic uh, situation. Ownership has never been great in New York. And so Sam Darnold, you, you're supposed to, I'm supposed to work with this? So now he is in a good situation, and we can see how, how subtle these things are, how fragile it is. It's not enough just to have the top pick in the draft, the top, you know, two, three, four pick in the draft, uh, bring in a quarterback and expect that all of your problems are going to be erased. And I think that's why I'm rooting for Sam Darnold that, you know, people have given yeah. up on him. Uh, just kind of, oh, uh, yeah, move, next. Okay, we got Sam Darnold, get out of here. We got Zach Wilson coming, so we don't need you anymore. Well, wait they all, everybody always wants to. Everybody always wants the new shiny thing. They're always ready for something new, you know, hey. and it's like, I, 
I hope Carolina doesn't do that. I hope that I hope the Carolina, right. the, the administration, the regime, the staff, the fan base, give him a chance to get better. His talent has been undeniable. The dude's got wheels. He's athletic. He's got all the and tools. Some of those throws. Okay. Some of those throws, runs. Didn't he have a, a long run callback? Throws like, on the run. There's so much that he brings to the table. There's so much that he brings to the table. I hope they, even if he kind of stumbles a little bit, give him a chance versus, well, let's see if we can get the next big thing, the next big rookie or trade or swing a big trade. I think we're all rooting for him because we knew it's a cautionary tale. I saw it coming, but nonetheless, we're all guilty of it is indicting quarterbacks who go to teams that they have no say in the matter because of the draft right. system. No say in the circumstances that they get drafted into. NFL history is littered with those quarterbacks and players for that matter who are victims of their circumstance. But yo, we're going to wrap it up hey. there because coming up, hey, we're we about we to go what deep. Oh, only Stephen Curry. Not just Stephen Curry, three-time NBA champion, two-time scoring champion, greatest shooter who ever lived. Steph Curry golf analyst. And now our teammate at NBC Universal. So he's coming up on the other side. We got a wide-ranging interview. We're going to kick it with Steph. Stephen, after another break. So you're a little taller than my normal test subject here. No, no, don't, don't cross down. I'm going to just drive the club into the ground and hope for the best. You all right? Sorry, right, you ready? I'm ready. Oh! oh. Wow. <laughs> Nervous? A little bit. Did you close your eyes? I, I, I don't even know. We got to run that back. I, I think I. Uh, <laughs> I think my heart's good to beat, though. Maybe you can help me work on my game, Mike. One of them golf or hoops. Get some tips. Stephen Curry coming up. Can't wait. Hey, Mike, I think I told you I was pretty bummed when we left the American Century Championship in Tahoe that we didn't get to kick it with the Currys. And you see Steph, Stephen and, and Seth having a ball. Here's Stephen messing around. I mean, it's just they had such a good time and we had to leave, you know, uh, but all in due time because Michael, I'm going to tell my kids that I was teammates with Stephen Curry. I'm gonna tell my kids that I played on the same squad with Stephen Curry because it's true. Stephen Curry yeah. is right now yeah. at Whistling Straits, covering the Ryder Cup for the Golf Channel as part of a global talent partnership between NBC Universal and Curry's company, Unanimous Media. It's a wide-ranging deal with NBC Universal that will see Stephen work on scripted and unscripted TV projects, NBC and CNBC, DreamWorks Animation. And he's going to reboot, might be my favorite part, The More You Know, which we all grew up on. And Stephen Curry, kind enough to join us from Whistling Straits right now. Listen, Stephen, good to see you, brother. You have a lot of options. You got a lot of things you could do with your time. You have a lot of places you could take your talents. Why was the relationship and the partnership with NBC Universal right for you and Unanimous Media? It's an opportunity to continue the work that we started. Um, in terms of you know, storytelling uh, and, and reaching people of all walks of life to continue to uplift and inspire and motivate um, through the themes that are important to me uh, and, to, and to our company. And so 
Um, you look at faith, family, and sports, and and how that kind of permeates everything that I do. Uh, partnering with you know NBC Universal and Comcast Family, there are so many uh, ways to connect and to to grow. You know that effort. Uh, I know there's a lot of people doing uh, doing this a lot of different ways, like you said. And, um, we're talking with, with the entire NBC family. There's um, just a lot of similarities, a lot of uh, ways that we can collaborate to a whole other level. Um, and this is something that hopefully will last long beyond my playing days as uh, as we continue to, you know, while I'm here at the Ryder Cup, continue to grow the game of golf and build representation in the game. Uh, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, being able to celebrate what this game has meant to me uh, is, is how we're starting. The more you know, you said it was, it was an awesome opportunity as well to, to talk about amazing impact, impactful uh, organizations and and, uh, and programs that are helping you know the community, uh, things that are near and dear to my heart with our foundation. So uh, there's a lot of excitement um, and it's going to blossom yeah. into something really, really, really meaningful uh, in the future. Well, listen, man, uh, you know it's all love. We go back. Uh, you're great at basketball, obviously. You're nice with the sticks. But I got to tell you, I'm hating you. I'm hating right now because now you're trying to take our job. Now you're an uh, analyst, I'm too. Sure. So I, I got to know a, what kind I'm of analyst player. skills. <laughs> I'm a team player. <laughs> what I, kind I, of I analyst skills you bring into the Ryder Cup? What well, you bring into the Ryder a, Cup as an analyst? That's a fun That's a fun part about it because, uh, you know, there are experts who are golf historians uh, you know, there are ex-pros that have been in between the ropes and, and played this game at a very high level. And then there's the amateurs that think we can do it at that level. Um, and so I'm trying to bring that angle. Uh, my, my dream is like to hopefully bring a different voice to the game. Again, great representation and opportunity within the game so we get more minorities out here on, on a professional level. But, um, but also you can all kind of just be the voice of that amateur golfer that thinks that we can be out here doing what they do for a living um, and give yeah. our perspective. So having been out here we and watched these guys at the Ryder Cup so far today, we're a long way away uh, from that. So <laughs> I just got to keep it. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll have no trouble taking to our side and, and you'll be a master analyst in no time, I'm sure. <laughs> hope so. Uh, you know, Stefan, you know, Mike said, you told Mike that uh, you're focused on faith, family, and sports. Really, that's our show in a nutshell. I mean, we talk about these things uh, every day, and I'm just wondering, we're both, uh, uh, Mike and I, both dads, you're a dad. I'm wondering what it's been like for you, father of three, what kind of storytelling uh, has happened with you recently? You say, wait a minute, this is interesting. <laughs> this might be able to this might be a show or a documentary. I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> well, I know we all have our, like you said, we all have our stories as dads. Um, you know, where we were in charge of taking care of the kids and the wildest stuff seems to happen on our watch uh, you know, as opposed to, as to the moms out there. But I feel like, you know, there's, there's ways that you know, we learn from our kids and, and what they're interested in, what they're curious about how they see the world and our responsibility as parents and how we shape that, uh, that can spark some, some amazing creativity in that, in that respect. For me, it's been awesome just to you know, see how inquisitive my nine-year-old and my six-year-old are about some historical you know, figures 
that have really you know, pushed boundaries, um, especially you know, women of color who uh, have been trailblazers and exposing them to their stories, uh, not their readers, and uh, just giving them a vision of what they can make themselves. And you realize how big uh, it is, what they watch, what they read, what they hear, in terms of shaping that, because we can only tell them so much. The world educates them as well. So if we can be uh, in control of what content they're, uh, they're, they're consuming and, and keeping them in the right direction, then as parents, like that's a huge, huge opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, you know, Mike joked off the top, top that he would tell his kids that you and uh, he was teammates with you. The kids would say, okay, True. I need to see pictures. <laughs> I need to see videos. <laughs> now, with your kids, your kids, you actually did play golf with Barack Obama. Have they, have they asked you about that? I mean, beyond the surface, hey, it's the president. Like, did they ask you anything like, Dad, what was that like? What did he say? What, what, what were some of those interactions like? Our oldest uh, got to come out the first time I played with him, and uh, she took a picture of him. She had no idea who he was, uh, but now I get to show her that picture before and let her know how special uh, of a moment that was to play with uh, President Obama, number 44. Uh, I can't, he gave me a golf ball that has his uh, 44 on it uh, as a souvenir. So she's, uh, she's asked those questions, uh, and really – it's like a message that anything is possible because I had no business playing golf with President Obama. And the doors that basketball is open in that respect, it's pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a kind of a, I was a cool superhero. So that's well. Listen, man, we talking about fatherhood. You also showing us husbands how it's done. Uh, I've been married 16 years. Mike's at 14. Uh, you and Aisha celebrated y'all 10th anniversary by renewing y'all vows. Riley officiated. Ryan and Cannon were there. The photos are absolutely beautiful. Aisha said you you picked out the dress and had it laid out. Like, okay, we we taking notes over here, man. But <laughs> can you tell us about that beautiful ceremony? And honestly, was it something that you always thought about? You always knew you would do, or was it more spontaneous? And what has that meant for y'all marriage to renew your vows that way? Ooh, how, much, how much time you got? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but as much as you got. <laughs> it was uh, it was something that we had planned uh, from the time we were married. That ten years was a big milestone that we would celebrate celebrated somehow. Uh, renewing the vows was always kind of the the goal of the mission. How we did it, we had no idea. The pandemic obviously uh, was stuff you want to include family and all that, but we kept it really really private, quiet to ourselves. It was just just us and the kids. Uh, you know, to your point about like showing how it's done. I don't take any credit for that because I've had amazing uh, role models and figures in my life who uh, have made it a point to continue to encourage me every time I talk to them. Make sure you, you, know, you spoil your wife, you continue to date her, and uh, and celebrate you know every milestone that you go through in your life's journey together. Well, my college coach at, at Davidson, Bob McKillop, every time I talk to him, we rarely talk about basketball. He's the first one to say, hey, hmm. you know, how, how are you treating your wife? And so for me, that was a great reminder. Um, it was an amazing ceremony. And, and honestly, to show our kids um, you know, how powerful you know, love is in terms of our marriage and whatnot, and, and including them, uh, it will be something that they'll remember. My favorite part about that picture is, is Riley's face, um, you know, in terms yeah. of how she's looking. So 
to include her in that situation um, and to celebrate a major milestone. You know, you encourage everybody to do it in their own way um, and celebrate because life is hard and uh, whatever you want to enjoy the, the great moments. Well, listen, you also uh, renewed your vows, so to speak, with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, four years, two hundred fifty like like million that. dollar deal. Not that I'm counting. You re up with them. Uh, first player ever with two two hundred million dollar contracts. But I wonder though, two years not making the playoffs. Obviously, the playing game last year. A lot of talk about the very uh, good all season. They might be understating it. Exceptional all season that the Warriors had. But it feels like as an organization, you guys are kind of walking in both worlds with developing young players, but also having you and Draymond and Clay on his way back, who we'll get to in a moment still competing for a championship. How do you feel about the position that your organization is in as you are still in your prime at 33, but you're still trying to compete for championships, but develop simultaneously? It's interesting because it's hard to find like a comparable kind of situation to what we've been through over the last seven years where we're like that up and coming team that's just scratching the surface and you break through in a championship, uh, obviously losing in 2016, you know, KD coming, uh, you know, getting our, our two championships in 17 and 18, coming close to 19, so five straight finals. Then all of a sudden, the injury bug comes in and you're, you're in like a pseudo rebuilding, but you still have, you know, the same core together. So for us, we've been fortunate because I think we've been able to retool on the fly while maintaining our core. And we're excited about Clay coming back, obviously. You know, it's, it's been a rough two years for him, uh, but he's worked his butt off to get back and excited about uh, him returning to the floor. Obviously, Draymond and, and myself have shown you know, what we're capable of last year. And we have three lottery picks uh, from the last two years that are under the age of 20, 21, and have a lot of, of upside and promise. So you know, we're trying to maintain what we've done in our culture and our our uh, standard for winning while you know, grooming and developing these young guys. And we have the opportunity to do both. And uh, I'm confident we can figure it out uh, and get back to the to our winning ways this year. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard work and nothing's guaranteed, but, but that's the goal. And if we can merge those two timelines together as, as, as best we can, then uh, this could be an unprecedented type of comeback for a team that had, had been at the top for a long time. You know, and that's the word I'll tell you because every time I see Stefan, every time I see a Clay Thompson video, there's a video of him just shooting. I was just mesmerized by it. I said, why am I, why do I continue to watch this? I'm watching this. Nothing's changing, but it's just the excitement <laughs> of, of seeing you all come back. Are you, are you in contact with him and are, do you watch those videos too and get excited about the possibilities? Yeah, I've been watching his uh, his journey over the last two years. Like, last November, um, when we heard he tore his Achilles, it was a gut punch because uh, you know how hard he worked to get back from ACL. It was going to be another year to get back. And, um, you know, like I said, he's been grinding. He's in good spirits. He's ready to, to get back on the floor. But we all seen the, the uh, you know, it was a 37-point quarter, you know, 60 and three-quarters, uh, just the unreal performances he's had game six play in OKC. So, you know, there's so many memories of what he what he was capable of doing and what he's accomplished. We just wanted to be healthy. We wanted to be out there no matter how long it takes for him to get back to his, his uh, and go to 100%. Him on, him on the floor at whatever percentage is, is good enough for us right now. 
you know, you, you mentioned those lottery picks and the position that you're in. You got veteran players, you got young guys, and you just hope everybody can align at the same time. We hear uh, about many NBA players who are vocal and who are trying to make things happen either with their organizations or somewhere else. How about you? Uh, we don't hear that from you, but are you one of those people who calls Bob Myers, calls Steve Kerr and says, look, hey, why don't we do this? Is, is that your style? Yeah, I, I participate heavy. Uh, I'm not in the war room or in every meeting uh, or anything like that, but I feel like, you know, they trust my voice um, and that feeling is mutual. Uh, me and Bob talked a lot, uh, you know, pre-free agency and pre-draft, trying to, you know, just give my input on what the best decisions are. There's no perfect science to it, and, and uh, you are trying to balance the win-now mentality with, uh, you know, what team we're going to be, you know, this year, next year, three years from now. But uh, I'm confident that we have the right talent. We have the right combination of guys. You know, the NBA is wild. Things change so quick. So uh, who knows what happens over the next, you know, five, seven months. But right now going into training camp, there's a lot of excitement and optimism about, you know, what the opportunity is uh, because it's not like, we know what our rotation is. We have guys that have to earn it. Um, and that's a good kind of place to be. You know, uh, everybody's you know, working towards the same mission. So, in other words, what you're telling us is you're not talking about Myers, about Ben Simmons' availability, what it would take. You, you're, not, you're not involved in the Ben Simmons' Trying to get some Simmons money taken out of my pocket now. You're all they can't find you. They can't, you can't tamper. Players can tamper all y'all want. That's the good part. You can't tamper. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 let's say if you're, not, if you're not having those conversations, then you're not trying. Let's put it that way. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Hey, last thing before we let you go, we know we got to get you out of here so you can get to your commentating duties. Is uh, I feel like we'd be remiss. We've covered a lot of things in this conversation, which we appreciate. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what you and Aisha and the Curry Family Foundation announced a month ago, I believe it was now, the Curry Family Women's uh, Athletics uh, Initiative, Women's Athletics Initiative at Davidson, Davidson, your alma mater. I would love to know what the response has been and what that initiative means to your family. Yeah, that's it's an amazing uh, opportunity. You know, I've given back to Davidson, um, the basketball program before. Um, but you think about just sports in general, how much it teaches us and creating opportunity, uh, again, for uh, certain demographics that don't have that direct pipeline to, to get to the next level and have access to these scholarships to play sports other than basketball, which are the main you know revenue drivers for most of these programs. So, uh, you know, our initiative is centered around all all women's sports uh, at Davidson, excluding basketball, which um, the, the feedback has been, you realize how many athletes there are that played uh, in college and are grateful for that opportunity because it helped them enter uh, any industry with a certain discipline and work ethic and perspective in life uh, and that confidence to work in like a team atmosphere. Uh, but they, they love the competition in college and, and were playing their respective sports until they couldn't anymore. So, uh, to hear that feedback, people like I, like, you know, ex lacrosse players, ex field hockey players, ex soccer players, uh, you don't realize how many athletes actually went through these programs and are now doing amazing things in life because of it outside of sports. Um, and if we can open up that opportunity uh, for other young, talented women, 
to go to Davidson, get an amazing education, play, uh, you know, competitive Division One sports, um, and really invest in themselves. Um, that's what it's all about. So hopefully we'll have a lot to show for it in the coming years. You always been wanting to put your money where your mouth is, brother. Uh, we are fans of you on and off the court. We appreciate everything you stand for. Enjoy watching. You can't wait to see what you got for Encore from a scoring title last year. And uh, looking forward to seeing you on the mic for the Ryder Cup. Welcome to the team. And we're going to let you go so that you will come back and kick it with us again. You know, now that we're Absolutely. teammates, we, got, we can call you and you're going to come Absolutely. hang out with us. So we can keep you all day, but we won't. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Take appreciate care. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Jam-packed oh, for switch. an hour. Uh, yeah, the wardrobe uh, Speaking of wardrobe, oh, by the way, uh, Brandon, I mean, what, Mike? By, yes, I'm Mike. I was going to say, by the way, I, I was, yeah, I was shorted out of a gray. I, you know, who will imply that I lack a billetide? That's the roots. That's a black thought line from section. Oh, it wasn't so grayed out? I need it. I, I, I need a grayed out on that. Okay, I'm keeping yeah, score oh, that was, here. Oh, I got I it. A, I need a gray out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority is what I'm probably on if I ain't ripping the land throughout the section. This too old for you. Brandon, you died like you know. Brandon, you too, too old, old for this. Too you don't know nothing about this. You don't know nothing about that, boy. You don't know nothing about that. Let me age myself and say the C 2.0 is when the roots first hit my desk. That's you? That's well, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Hey, listen. Right. As long right, as you got dude. on, as long as you know what time it is. Know what time so it right. is. There, there are many, there are many, there are many stops on the train. We, yeah, Amen. that's my residency. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, speaking of wardrobe, though, Brandon, uh, you repping you repping Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. I didn't realize you were a Ravens fan, brother. I didn't know that I was, about I was you. A re- I was a Ravens fan before Lamar Jackson got to Louisville. That's why I'm doing. The, uh, that's where I live, Louisville, Kentucky. Everybody think I'm bandwagoning. I was I was in before Ray Lewis. Like you know what I mean? Ray Lewis is the homie. Defense, Sarah Goose, like. Defense, you know what I mean? Oh that's wow, just, that's just me. I, I am a nose guard. So like when when Lamar okay. Jackson got drafted by the Ravens, that must have been oh. like the hap- one of the happiest days of your life because that was like last world pick of the draft. right there. There you go. Last pick of the draft. It was like yeah. I couldn't believe it. Well, the first it was round. A, it, last pick of the first I, round. Yeah, I mean, I, like, but, yeah. Like, okay, don't, yeah, you know, don't last don't make it more dramatic. We know what you meant. Don't make no more irrelevant. We know what you meant. He could have he could went to the second round. Easily could have went to the second round, but. I digress. Yeah, no. All right. So Brandon uh, handles our social media for us uh, at brother from another or oh, actually me at Holly and Smith <laughs> at Holly and Smith uh, Instagram Twitter. Um, so he is here to tell us what the people are saying in the comment section where logic and grammar and syntax are optional, but we love them nonetheless. We love them yes. nonetheless because every comment we welcome all comments, even the hatred. What's first? Well, the hatred is coming, uh, obviously, coming off of the Sunday night football game. Great game for NBC. Sheldon Gross has this to say about Holly's take on the Ravens-Chiefs game. Holly is really mad that the Ravens won. The QBs had the same total yards and touchdowns, and the only difference was that Lamar got the win. Plus, how is it a fluke when you play to win and actually win? And how is it a fluke 
when the Ravens win when they during the regular season. Obviously, we know we flash out in the playoffs. You know, it's like uh, being a Ravens fan is like watching a car accident. You know, like it's going to be exciting. You know how it's going to end, but you're going to have something to talk about at the end of the day. But you could be successful at the end, and that's what Lamar did. He's finally turning the corner, and we're getting a win that we only got when Ray Lewis was leading the team. You said finally turning so the corner. So real quick. Dude, was like MVP. Real quick. MVP Wait, in the league. Hold on, hold on, Michael. Before, before you respond, before you the respond, Patrick Mahomes I just want to say I just want to say well paid, well played, Brandon, because you have editorial autonomy over these comments of all the conversations we have all week long, two hours a day, all the topics that we hit. My man went back to Monday because you've been you've been wanting to hit Holly with that smoke since Monday when he well, wasn't just, respecting your Ravens. So respect to you for bringing that yeah, back yeah. before the end of the week. So I appreciate I just, that. The fluke, so you, fluke is just such so a weird term. Yeah, so you brought the it's, comment it's a from win. Sheldon. Okay, Sheldon. Yeah. Right. Hey, Sheldon. Sheldon. Yeah. Sheldon. Yeah. I see. Uh, yeah, I got some. I got put some that E in my last name. That's all I'm gonna say. Put that E. Put some respect on my name. Put the E in there. That little hostile H O L L Y. Oh, yeah. That ain't how you I spell apologize it. about that. You said they don't spell well on 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 YouTube. We know that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But all right, that's look. I, hey, much respect. I love the Ravens. Love Lamar Jackson. Love you too, Sheldon slash Brandon. So it's good. It's good. <laughs> well, okay, hey, good, just, news, I just, I just, good news out of Ravens camp. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say Lamar is practicing. So that's so he, he can feast on the Lions. What were you about to say, uh, Brandon, before we move on? Uh, we uh, There's some other comments that have been talking about how we need to check Holly's closet for Steelers gear. I feel like he's picking the wrong AFC North team to get behind like day in and day out. And we know he switches up teams a little bit to just wh- why not us? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about right. that later. He hates the Bengals. He hates the Bengals. He hates the Ravens. I mean, he hates on everybody to varying degrees. But it's the Bengals, the Ravens, less so the Browns because, you know, less so the Browns because of Akron, Ohio, but still on. Yeah, yeah. Steelers fan. Hard, he's a Steelers yeah. fan. Uh, yeah. We also know Apparently. he's a Patriots fan. Not a Patriots. I'm, I'm sorry, Michael. Did I say that? Did I say Patriots fan? I'm a chronicler of the Patriots. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're right. He does kind of. One in the same. Like successful franchises. One the same. Hey, they're you, good for business. Okay. Patriots. Patriots right, are really right, good for business. Right. So, hey, so, sure. Right? Yeah. What's the next comment, Brandon? All right. Straight from Patriots land. Michael Holly, you said that the Patriots need to embrace the return and the record-breaking of Tom Brady once he gets back to Gillette. We both did. Matt on YouTube said, this is just an absolute unicorn of a game. Will be the biggest regular season game of our lifetimes in any sport. There is no parallel I can even think of that comes close to this situation. It will be like if Jordan went and won a championship with the Wizards in year one and was still playing at MVP level when he returned to Chicago. A lot of people in the comments are saying well, this is even. the biggest game, the biggest game of regular season history. I think that's maybe going a little too far, but what do you guys think? No, listen. Yeah, but what's the bigger? Jordan parallel stops short? The Jordan one stops short yeah. because Jordan would have to win a championship with the Wizards in the first year after leaving the Bulls and go back to face Phil Jackson. That's what he would that that would have to be the equivalent. Right. He had right. to go back to face Phil. For I mean, this is, this is this is this is Belichick uh, versus Brady. The league history in the last two decades has been Belichick and Brady. We never thought we'd ever see Belichick yeah. versus Brady. 
the stars aligning where he goes to Tampa, wins Shit, a championship crazy. Crazy. as a wild card in his own stadium, and the schedule is as such because guys, it could be Patriots at Bucks. They, don't, they, they play every four years. It is Bucks at Patriots. Bucks this at is a Patriots. gift from the I'm gods. I'm coming back to the crib. Yeah, I'm coming this back is, to the crib. This, this, the this crib is, that I built. Y'all come back up? to my house. You could. This is the biggest can, regular season game I can think me, of in any sport. Yeah, yeah. You can put you can put Tom Brady in the visiting locker room, but we all know. And like, listen, I don't belong in the visiting locker room. As a matter of fact, I might just get dressed at my locker. At my spot that hey, I had for 20 years. Tom, no. And say something. Tom Brady. Go ahead and say something. Tom Brady <laughs> should get dressed at midfield. He should get dressed right at undress and get dressed at midfield. Like he, that, and this is go Deion Sanders. This is my house. My I house. built this. I okay. Built like, he this. should totally yeah. do that. Totally do that. But you know, honestly, at and Brandon, Brandon, going back to the beginning, I mean, we both said like this should be a Tom Brady celebration. Like I said, he, they should roll out rose petals a la coming to America at his feet. I don't even think there's a counter argument to it. I don't think that Michael, I can't imagine in Boston. I can't imagine anybody suggesting that they're not going to receive him warmly. Like I don't care that you root for the well, laundry or that you root look, for the home team. How do you on. not cheer Mike, for him? Mike, Mike, your especially since Boston. they wanted him Mike. gone, right? Ooh, Mike. Mike, don't do it. Don't your wife's do it. from Boston. That, think, think about, think about Eddie. Think about Eddie now. Your father-in-law. Okay, now look, Boston folk. It's cool when you, you with, you rolling with them. It's cool, but now don't, don't cross us or this give the different. appearance. This is different. Don't give the appearance across. Oh this no, no, no. No, oh, this it's is gonna different. be some booze in there, Michael. It's gonna be if somebody booze at your stadium. Are you going, Michael? By the way, are you going? Are you going? You gonna be at the game? Uh, I'll. I'll be on the air. I'll be on the air. I'll be doing the uh, uh, the pre and post game. So if somebody boos yeah. at Gillette Stadium, first of all, there'll, there'll probably be a fight, and there will be security escorting them out if they boo at Gillette Stadium. Mark my words, be because there are so many children named Brady, named Thomas, mm. named Edward, named right. Patrick. Like all of those people in there worship. <laughs> look, Michael, Mount Rushmore, Boston sports. Tell me if I'm wrong, Russell. Uh, Williams or Brady? Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait. Bird? Where's Bird? Brady. Is Bird? Brady where's Bird? Brady or you said Brady or or Russell? Russell Williams? Where's Bird? I don't know. Bird? I don't know. They got a damn tunnel for Ted. I don't know. Point being, See, Brady's on got... it. Brady's on it. Yeah, Bra- Brady. Regardless, Brady Brady's on it. it. Brady is, there's Brady no way it. you boo Tom Brady. You cannot boo. It will be nothing but applause. Even if he is lighting up the Patriots for five touchdowns, you got to cheer those five touchdowns or at worst be neutral. You cannot is boo there Tom any Brady. Chance, if you think about to boo Tom Brady, get out of the building. That is he there built. any chance is there any chance Belichick's making it so there's nothing to celebrate in week four? Is there any chance? Yeah, there's a chain. Which means nothing to celebrate. Yes. There's always a chain. D- doubling. Which means nothing hey, to celebrate. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't like, they get win. the record. If the Patriots win, he doesn't. He doesn't get the, the Patriots, the Patriots win. win, and he doesn't get the record. And and Tom Brady could they beat the Bucks? Possible, possible. But I, I listen. I have a hard time seeing the Patriots hey. scoring enough to beat the Bucks. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Michael, go ahead. Go ahead. I would just say this. I'll say this, Brandon uh, and Mike. Since we're talking about albums. Uh, you know, try to call Quest the Roots. You know, some of these albums, you have like a remix 
and you get like seven or eight people up on the track with cameos like oh that's what Bill Belichick has done lately he has probably contacted every defensive coordinator who's worked with him he's checked in with Nick Saban he's checked in with Dean Pease Romeo Cornell maybe Bill Parcells maybe even talk to Bill Parcells Ernie Adams I'm telling you he's been preparing for this since the spring I, I think the Patriots actually might win the you game. You don't think the other guy has? I think they might win it. You don't think the other guy has? Not like this. You don't think 12 no, has? No, no, not like this. Not like this. No. No, no. There's no, some no. Darth Vader. No, there's playing. some Darth Vader Star Wars references there's some in the old, comments. There's some old, like, there's some old genius stuff going on. Some old, nasty, backhanded genius stuff happening. And Tom, listen to Peyton Manning. Don't talk at your locker. They, they, they record stuff, <laughs> I heard. They might be recording you. Hey. Hey, uh, Chunky Lamar Jackson, do me a favor. Don't go too far. Do us a favor. Don't go too far. Uh, we got, we got, we got, we got to bring you back later, but we're going to continue this conversation That's just wrong. two of us for a minute. So we'll see That's you in a minute. Up. All right. See you later. That's messed up. All right, Brandon. That's messed up. You, 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 you know how, hey, hey, Michael, look, I'm wanting to talk. Hey, Michael, look, you know how we know this is the biggest regular season game in the history of regular season, regular seasons in professional sports? How? I mean, there's trap games and there's overlooking opponents, right? This game is so big, and I don't know if this is how it's been in Boston. I don't know if this is how it's been nationally. I know there have been stories coming out that's kind of like, you know, laying the foundation for an emotional week, whether that's, you know, Tom Brady Sr. or Alex Guerrero, Brady's personal trainer, or, you know, there's been conversation about it. We've had conversation about it. But um, the Bucks are at the Rams, Okay, <laughs> this weekend. All right, in a, in a, in a, in a game, game like you know, it might be their first of two visits to SoFi Stadium, and they may end up having to go through the Rams when it's all said. Now I know you're not a big believer. Didn't they Meanwhile, play last year? The Saints didn't they, play, didn't they lose to the Rams last year? They played Rams last uh, year and, and lost to them, right? I don't remember. I know those. Honestly, I, I don't remember. I can't remember who won. I think they did play last year, and I think the Rams actually beat them. So I don't remember. And the Patriots. Yeah. Or playing hosts to the Saints. I know the Saints look like they look terrible last week, but I mean, it, you got to respect the Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints group. I mean, this game in Week Four is so big until we're talking about it before both of these teams have had a chance to play very right. significant opponents in Week Three. That's how big it is. Like, oh, oh yeah, they got oh they got the Rams this week. The freaking Rams, another contender in the yeah. NFC. Yeah, it's like it, it's really got a it, there's so many analogies, but it does have a college football home, not homecoming, but a college football rivalry uh, week feel to it. Uh, you know, it's you're like Alabama four? Auburn. Yeah, it's about Bucks. Yeah, Bucks Patriots. Like, okay. Yeah, Bucks Patriots, where it's like Alabama Auburn, but before Alabama gets to Auburn, there's another game. Auburn is playing somebody else, but you're still thinking about that next week. And the Patriots, especially as like the Bucs can afford it because the Bucs are a really talented team. There are no questions about them. The, the Patriots are still trying to find themselves offensively. Uh, they're just trying to uh, establish an identity. They got a rookie quarterback, so they just can't go out there and they, they, they're not so talented. They just show up and st- play poorly and beat a team. Now, the Bucs probably can. So there's that analogy, the college football analogy. Then, Mike, there's the marriage gone wrong. Now, thank the Lord that that neither one of us have that story to tell. That's not your testimony, nor is it mine. You're 
happily married, as you told uh, Stephen Curry, 16 years for you, 14 years for me, 10 years uh, for Stephen and Aisha Curry. Congratulations. Now, the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady had us all beat at 20 years, 20 years. But out of those 20, I think they had 17 good ones and three bad ones. And now that it's over, like everybody is behind the scenes, sniping and whispering and just being nasty, man. Like this is like, oh, oh, bring the kids to the gas station and then we'll meet in the gas station. I'm gonna throw your stuff right there. And if you're not there on time, I'm gonna leave. Uh, I'm gonna leave your suitcase by pump number five. I mean, it's just some ugly. water, just some, some water roses type on. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, look, Mike. It's so bad that Tom Brady's masseuse. I think this is the massage guy. Alice Guerrero is the massage <laughs> dude. <laughs> it hit people. This is business partner and trader, like the massage guy. Like, what's wrong with the suit, man? Come on. He's about Bill. This dude. It's about Bill Belichick didn't evolve. Hey. I'm going to tell you. Hey, you not on his level, though. You not on his level. You. You're talking like you wait, <laughs> but don't shoot the messenger. Is the message accurate? I mean, he has a point. It, he does have a point. Look, if Bill Belichick was still treating Tom Brady the same way he treated everybody else and the same way he treated Tom Brady in his 20s, I could see how that could be problematic. We just saw Aaron Rodgers bitch and complain because he ain't picking the players. What you think yeah, Tom right. Brady well, feels well, like if, if, if Belichick is still yeah. telling him it's still treating him like he's 20 years old. I, I, that's a legitimate gripe, even if it is coming through a proxy in the form of, as you call him, his masseuse. It, Hell, well, that masseuse got him playing until he's 44. He's doing something right. That, Shit, we should have that. We should have no, can help me no, out. I ain't got nothing to do it. Stop it. Stop it. That's Tom Brady. By, by dent of his of his discipline and his will and his talent. Oh, right. Stop. Okay. You, you got Alex Guerrero should not be taking credit for Tom Brady, but he says, now listen, he, he he says, listen to this man is very careful. He says, we sick. We sick, boss? We sick. No, he really does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. He was talking about the Buccaneers. We love it here. It's great. The coaching is great. Ownership is great. Hold on. Let's, let's, Alex let's, hold on. Guerrero, let's, just, let's, just, let's just put him on the screen. Let's just, wait, hold on. Let's, let's do it the right way. Uh, we, got, we got the quotes. We got the quotes. from the, So this is Karen Garigian, old friend of ours, Boston Herald. Yeah. Uh, it was like Bill never really, I think his emotions or feelings never evolved with age. As Tom got into his late 30s or early 40s, I think Bill was still trying to treat him like that 20-year-old kid that he drafted. And all the players, I think, realized Tom was different. Went on to say he's older, so he should be treated differently. And all the players, none of them would have cared that he was treated differently. I think that was such a Bill thing. He never involved. So you can't treat someone who's in his 40s like they're 20. It doesn't work. He's right. All the Facts. players. Look, no listen, cap. Listen, listen, okay, I don't, okay. I don't hold on. Keep it right there. No, no, no. Bring that back. Bring that back. Bring that back, Gary. Bring that Keep back. Keep it right there. I just want to go. Can I, can, I, can I just walk through this? And all the... Okay, he's older, so he should be treated differently, says the masseuse. And all the players, none of them would have cared that he was treated differently, says the massage guy. Like, how do you know all the play? You reading the locker room now? What? No, he ain't got to be. You're Michael. Yes, wait, he does. You don't have this hey, problem Bill, anymore. He never some us, evolved. Some of us. Bill Belichick never evolved. Anymore. You know who I talk to a lot every Friday at 530? 
Guy named Country, Ooh. my barber. He knows my innermost thoughts. I know you don't have that relationship anymore, okay? You don't think the masseuse is an authority on Tom Brady? You don't think the masseuse has heard Tom Brady say, you, you don't think he yeah. knows what time it I is? Think the He's a credible source. He's a credible source. Is, His trainer and business partner is a credible source. Look, legit, look, that's a legit hit me on the show. Hook, hook, hook me up on my shoulders a little bit right here, Alex. Okay, look, look, stop. I think he is See, a credible source. Stop. I, I think, stop. <laughs> when the last time you had a massage? When the last time you had a massage? Like, when the last time you had a deep tissue? Uh, a couple of times. Probably a couple weeks ago. Probably a couple weeks ago. Anyway, uh, and I've been to the barber shop this week. Thank you very much. I still go to the barber shop just to get a professional. Well, it's job. too quick now, for you to have a conversation. Um, but listen, no, have a good conversation. Um, I'm not saying he's not a credible source on Tom Brady. What I'm saying is he he is not forced to think big picture like Bill Belichick. Now he does make some good points. It is difficult. To have a player in his 20s, then have a player in his 40s, and that player is still playing at an elite level. He was elite in his 20s, 30s, and 40s. And how do you speak to him? How do you manage a guy like that? Because I'm going to tell you a secret. Here, here it is. Here it is. Big secret. Bill Belichick's never had to do it before in his career. First time he's had a player who was elite in his 20s, so 30s, and evolved. 40s, and he had to coach him. So he's so never, he never had to do it. But the flip side is, the flip side is, Alex Guerrero nor Tom Brady has had to think about what it's like to be to speak to an entire group of men and to figure out how to manage them all and keep them all on the same page without people getting caught in. Oh, why'd you do that for him? Why'd you do that for him? Double standards and all this because he's so the greatest player of all time. What's the point? Hey, Stop. Get the, no, no. Stop no. it. Stop the it. Players, stop no, it. Every, no, no. That's how you're you done. Think. We're done. That's here. how I think. We're done here. That's We're how I think. We're done. We've lost him. <laughs> no, no. I got a little something no. right here, though. Dude, we're talking about the greatest something. player of all time. We talked about making exceptions for exceptional people. If you have a problem with how I'm treating Bill Belichick, He's, says an evolved, treating Tom Brady, says an evolved Bill Belichick, grow up to be the greatest player of all time. And then we can talk. Well, this is why we need to talk. Before we talk, let's get some disclosures on the table. Since you said, oh, you said it, so I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm going to call him what you called him. Alex Guerrero, as the business partner, as a made man by Tom Brady, as somebody who has had his career scooped out of the ditches and exalted by Tom Brady, you you think he's credible? Or do you think... This is somebody. Oh, 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 Google. Oh, I'm making it up. Google Alex Guerrero. Google Alex Guerrero controversy and tell me I'm lying. Okay? So, as somebody who has been saved by Tom Brady, uh, Google it. I ain't lying. I know the story. I know the story. You're shooting the messenger. You're shooting the messenger. Story. No, I'm just saying. You sound like a pro- you sound like a prosecutor right now. You want to discredit the witness. Agenda. The witness is still, cr- is still giving you facts. The witness was there. He was there for it. The witness knows Brady and, better than you do. And he's compromised. In ways you don't. He's compromised. He's compromised. So are you. So are you. And I know things that he doesn't. So are you. So are you. I know things that so he you. doesn't. You're compromised. I'm not Maybe compromised. You're compromised. I haven't been paid. I haven't been paid by. Maybe you have an I haven't agenda. been directly. Maybe you have an agenda. I haven't Not been directly, directly paid <laughs> exactly. by Bill Belichick. Exactly. 
or exactly. Tom Brady directly. See? Exactly. See? Exactly. 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 No, I got you. Worksmith. All right. Uh, let's let's go to break directly. Uh, Vinny Goodwill um, is standing by for Phil Goodwill Friday. We got a lot to cover with him. So let's go ahead and break and, uh, and have some fun with Vinny uh, on the other side. Man, the masseuse ain't supposed to be beating you up, though. That's all I'm saying. You ain't supposed to come out there feeling worse after a visit with him. Obviously, I can't get into details for a variety of different, whether it's HIPAA violations or whoever um, it may be. I think we all understand what's at stake. You know, we've had very candid conversations. Those are individual decisions that whether it's a staff member or whether a player has to come to terms with. Uh, it's obviously out of our control. We, we are supporting getting the vaccination and, and putting out a healthy squad. And so at this point, I think we're ready to, uh, to go into the season. We don't see these, uh, whether it's a citywide mandate or whether it's the league mandate to follow uh, being any sort of hindrance to us putting out the putting out a team regarding with the good they play today I can't comment on whether who could play and so forth there would obviously be a couple of people missing from that picture um, I won't get into who it is but we feel confident that you know in the following you know several days before camp everybody will be allowed uh, to participate and and participate fully We've worked really hard with our UCLA health partners and our team doctors and, and players and agents and family members. And um, we will be on opening night when we play the Golden State Warriors. Um, um, all of the players that are currently signed on our roster um, that night will be deemed fully vaccinated. And we're really uh, we're, we're grateful for that, I think. Um, just in collaboration again with the, with with UCLA and the doctors and people internally, um, uh, we we will be grateful that we won't have interruptions caused by unvaccinated status of a player or a staff member. All right, that was uh, Nets GM Sean Marks and Lakers GM Rob Palenka. You know, Mike, I wish we had so much more time with Steph Curry because one of the things. I wanted to ask him and neglected to ask him was about whether or not he was worried about Andrew Wiggins, who is unvaccinated and right now is limited to individual workouts. And as it stands, would not be able to play in Warriors home games because of the mandate, the ordinance in San Francisco that uh, requires him to be vaccinated in order to be in an arena. Uh, same goes right, for Brooklyn. Right. Kyrie Irving is reportedly one of the players that Sean Marks could not say is unvaccinated. I guess that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. He could end up missing Nets home games. I mean, it's, this ain't a game. And there's a lot of money on the line, a lot on the line. And 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 I know Vinny Goodwill, uh, you have reported uh, that I think it's is it 90 percent, 90 plus percent of the league. Uh, the players are unvaccinated are, are vaccinated. Excuse me, are vaccinated. There is no vaccine mandate for players. Everybody else has to be vaccinated, not players, but 90% nonetheless, specifically Wiggins and, and Irving and the players who wear local ordinances would compromise their ability to play in playoff in home games. Excuse me. Like, what are you hearing about the seriousness of the situation and whether or not these situations will be resolved in time for them to actually participate fully with their teams? 
it sounds like a matter of privilege <laughs> to me, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. if, if it's a 12 man on a roster who does not have his vaccine status, you know, rectified, he's gone. If it's an eighth man, it's if even a fifth starter, probably up out of there. But because you're Kyrie Irving, because you're Andrew Wiggins, allegedly, as we have to say that just to make sure, you know what I mean? Just so we're not slandering people. You have the privilege to be able to say, no, nah, I'm not going to do this or wait until the last possible second. I don't see why any player, regardless of whatever their usual health status is, you putting a whole bunch of stuff in your body that you don't know where it comes from or why you're putting it in your body. All of a sudden, now you're going to find some religion when you see that over a million people worldwide are dying and everything else. And then these are the quote-unquote smart people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to attack anybody's intelligence or anything like that. Like, I'm trying very hard not to take cheap shots at some people here, but I I don't get it. I totally don't get it, whether you've had, you've seen it close in terms of proximity or you've seen it in just terms of being exposed to it in your worldview. I don't see how you can be exposed to all the health professionals in the world and being able to have access to so many different streams of information that none of us actually have, you know, access to and still say, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to risk possibly missing 41 home games. If I'm Andrew Wiggins, bro, that Warriors team is right. trying to win what a championship. What are you doing, bro? Here's, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Andrew Wiggins is the guy that the Minnesota Timberwolves could not get to play every night. Like, nothing would shake him. So on this level, hmm. this doesn't surprise me. Remember, Andrew Wiggins is the guy with all the talent in the world, the talent to be a number one guy, right. but just doesn't want it. So to be perfectly honest, this is very consistent with his ideology. This is very consistent with how he kicks it. Kyrie Irving, we all know Kyrie Irving pushes consistent. on doors. That's it, consistent. This, pushes this on is doors. all brand. Stage pushes on doors that says pull, then blames the door. All right. those different things is Kyrie Irving's ideology. I'm not surprised. The question is, what do the teams do about this? Because peer pressure, right. yes. I don't know if necess- is necessarily it. What do the teams do? Because while the Players Association, you can't get it mandated, there's got to be some mechanism you can to get these guys in line. Well, they got to come around because yeah. it's like, it's yeah. couple, whether, it, so a couple of things on housekeeping. If there's a religious exemption that Andrew Wiggins seeks, that's not going to fly in San Francisco. Like, they don't care if, 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 that's what, if that's what this is about. Not sure about the situation in Brooklyn, if it's religion for Kyrie Irving. But here's the thing about research. There's religion and there's research. If you want to fall back on research, we're not talking about your cousin's friend's testicles here. Like, there's plenty of access to research that you have, number one. And then there's the millions of us who have acted as your de facto guinea pigs to prove to you that the vaccine works, that it is safe, and that it, it may not prevent you from ever contracting COVID, but it mitigates the symptoms and it lessens your probability of contracting COVID. What other research do you need when you have real-time examples? We can go on and on about this. Michael, you had anything before we moved on to another topic? Or no, you know I was this? just going to say, I was going to say to Vinny, like Vinny just hit it when he said, what do the teams do about it? It's specifically Brooklyn. That's why I said it's a case study with Brooklyn because even before we were talking about vaccinations and what Brooklyn was going to do about it, you knew that they let Kyrie and Harden and and KD kind of play by their own rules. Kyrie, during the season, I'm going to take a pause. I'm not going to tell you where I am necessarily. I'm going to play by my own. I'm going to do my own thing. So you have that personality, and then you bring in the vaccine, 
and you got Brooklyn pursuing a championship. I just wonder like they they make somebody needs to get ex- some some award if they can bring this whole thing together and get everybody on the same page. Vinny, I don't know how they do it. Is it is it one of his peers? Is it KD or Harden who convinces him? Is it Steve Nash? I just don't see how anybody can co- convince Kyrie Irving to get vaccinated, which is what they need to do to win a championship. Yeah, it's two things. Yeah. It's two things. Let's let's just say, and I know you're going to move on. Let's just say that it is a let's just say hypothetically, guys, it is a strict vegan sort of thing where you know you hear about some cases where strict vegans do not want to put the vaccine you know in their body. I'm not saying that is the case with either or both, but let's just say that that's the case. If you understand what I'm saying, Kyrie okay. Irving does not have a long term contract with the Brooklyn Nets. He signed nope. a deal that is three years with an option for a fourth. This is year three. As quickly as that goes, this is year three. You have another player in James Harden who does the same things that you do. Kevin Durant is, by and large, locked in there, and he's the franchise. He's the guy that you have to consider for all these things. And if you have player-run or heavily player-influenced franchises, not to say that you can predict the pandemic happening and the vaccine and all these other different things, but there has to be some internal checks and balances. There has to be some level of, you know what, there's a respect level for the people who I'm working with and working for that my best interests are in the team's best interest. And I can't say that anybody respects that. Okay. Um, Rob Palenka, we heard from a second ago on vaccines. He had something else interesting to say about LeBron James. Use the phrase slim down. Let's listen. Slim down. Excuse me. Let's listen. LeBron's been in working hard, working really early in the morning. And I, I think the thing that stands out is just his, his fitness level. And um, he slimmed up. I think, um, you know, we all know LeBron studies the greats and he adds things into his game. And I think um, going into this stage of his career, he's made a decision to come back a little bit leaner. And I think that's going to translate in his explosiveness and quickness. Um, but he's been he's been very, very locked in with his training. And um, you just get a sense he has a confidence in his teammates. He really does, I, I think. Um, when he looks around the locker room and sees the nameplates or with the guys he's been on the court with, you can just tell he has a, a high level of confidence in his teammates and uh, what this team could accomplish this season if we if we all lock in. I didn't know fitness was ever an issue for LeBron James. Uh, that's 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 a scary thought, a scary proposition that he's slimmed up, slimmed down uh, at age 37 going into this season. But want to pivot to Giannis just saw this a little while ago Giannis with the quarter of the year I like being a hunter I'm not the best player in the world I'm telling you I am not Katie LeBron Kawhi Luka Curry 80 might be I am not it's the finals MVP and two-time MVP and defensive player of the year talking I am still hunting the all-time greats LeBron is still the best player in the world so I want to use those two things because like LeBron get ready for scary hours he got his he got his camp in Vegas with his new teammates. He in the lab. He slimmed up. He, he shredded like a Julian salad. You got Giannis saying he's not the best player. So, Vinny, this is straight out of Cujo Goody, bro. I know you know about your Goody mob. This is listen to me now. Believe me later on. You have been the person for years saying that uh, Kevin Durant was the best player in basketball. Lo and behold, 
been several lists that have been put out going into 2022. Sports Illustrated puts out its top 100 and, of course, top 10 players of 2022. And ta-da! Kevin Durant won, Giannis 2, LeBron 3, and Steph Curry 4, who we had earlier on our brother from another. Yeah. Nikola Jokic 5, Lucas 6, Harden 7, Embiid 8, AD 9, Kawhi 10. Uh, resident NBA expert Benny Goodwill, what stands out to you about the list? Is it the number one, which you've been saying for years, and now people are recognizing it as number one? Or is it the fact that number two, traditionally, when you win finals MVP, you are recognized as the best player in the world, especially if you get a 50-piece in a closeout game and lead the team to a championship? What say you, Benny? Uh, we know what we saw. This whole playoff, we know what we saw. We saw Giannis put up that 50 piece, and that was that final series was one of the best accumulation series I've ever seen. Not since I've been covering the league, but just since I've been watching it, right? But that damn Kevin Durant. We know what we saw when Kevin Durant took the team on his back for an entire playoff round. I think people are just coming aboard to saying, I knew Kevin Durant could do this. I was just waiting to see him do it by himself. No, that just means you have an overinflated view of your own opinion. And Kevin Durant is no better a basketball player than he was five years ago. He's no better a basketball player post Achilles, gentlemen, post Achilles. He's a better basketball player now post Achilles than he was in 2016, 17, 18, or 19. Are you kidding me? We hold ourselves in such high esteem that we made ourselves believe that Kevin Durant was proving something to us and doing what he did in game five and game seven of that second round series. He did nothing there, honestly, from a basketball achievement right. standpoint than he did in it any was a of narrative. the past five years. It was a narrative. It was a narrative. He's no, he's no better a oh. basketball player than he was then. When LeBron James took down the 3-1 Golden State Warriors in the 2016 NBA Finals, you know who the best player in basketball was that year? Kevin Durant. Let me ask you a question. Speaking Benny. of LeBron James, wait, oh, hold, hold on, Mike. Let me ask you a question real quick. Go ahead, go ahead, hold on. Go ahead, Let me ask you real quick. Wait, I got a question. How much of it has to do with, and it's going back to Palenka saying he's slim, slimmed up LeBron. You know, he's gotten in better shape, which is crazy. <laughs> How much of it with LeBron seeding that position in people's eyes? Because LeBron had been the de facto best player. How much of it is people saying, you know what? LeBron ain't that dude no more. So who we gonna put up there? We gonna put Giannis up there. Is that part of this shift in perception? Is it the Olympics this summer, or is it just the playoffs finally got people's attention for Kevin Durant? It's it's a little bit of all of that. It's more I think the playoffs have gotten in our minds with Kevin Durant. I think people have been afraid to say that LeBron is not the best player. I think we've all been afraid as a media Ooh, afraid. to say afraid because you know LeBron Ooh. comes up with these hashtags every year wash king and you don't want to be on that summer jam screen if LeBron is holding up a trophy or two trophies with a cigar mm. the next time you don't want to be wow. having to be accountable and stand in front of LeBron if he wins again because the last time we said LeBron wasn't wow. the best player he was hurt and all really? that nonsense yes media scared not y'all media scared Wusses. I'd use a much stronger word, but we here, but we here on the FCC airwaves. Some people will say that a to Curry favor with LeBron because they think LeBron cares what they think. You know what I mean? And some people actually don't know what they're watching. Let's be completely honest here. Some people only know what they're being fed, what they're being told. I'm not trying it's to say sheep. that I, I'm not saying sheep. I'm just saying sometimes we all don't know what kind we're watching of. when we're watching it. But we, I know Kevin. I know. I know Kevin Durant's the best player in basketball, and I've known that for quite a long time. 
It's just okay. put it like this. Put it like this. It's just like a woman Talk in a relationship. She has, she has always known that the relationship is about her. It's just on us when we decide to come aboard to her ideology. Talk we, ain't nothing. we just knew. Talk your, you deserve to talk your ish. Mike, what you got? Man, look, I, 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 you know what? Your shirt, I'm going to use your shirt, Mike Smith, as inspiration. That, that's from Midnight Marauders, right? You, you, you know, y'all know that uh, song, that great track, God Lives Through, where, where uh, uh-huh. I think Tip starts off by saying, there's a million MCs that think they want some. Okay, look, there are a lot of, <laughs> lot of number one players uh, every year, every year. Let's see. Okay, let me just go down the list, Vinny. Vinny, you've been consistent. You say KD, I've heard KD, I've heard Giannis over the years, I've heard Kawhi over the years, I've heard Steph Curry, but I tell you, a guy who just kind of just keeps doing his thing, Kevin Durant hasn't changed, you know who hasn't changed either? LeBron. LeBron hasn't changed. KD hasn't passed LeBron. He hasn't passed him. So, look, can Kevin Durant, can you drop him? Let me ask you this question. If the answer is yes, I'll shut up. I promise. I'll shut up. Can you take Kevin Durant to any team in the NBA, drop him on that team, and assure that team wins 50 games, 82 game schedule, and gets yes. out of the first round? Yes. Yeah, if, if you then allow that's me, easy. that's an easy yes. That's a that's a low bar for Kevin. Any team yes. in the league, allow me to retort, Duh. Michael Holly. Allow me to retort in the ways, in in the words of. Samuel L. Jackson. Kevin Durant is an exceptional player who thrives outside of any system that you put him in. You put him in that nonsense Oklahoma City system, he steals the MVP. You put him in Golden State's ball movement heavy step system, he's the MVP. You put him with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, three up and a bunch of, you know, number cards at the end of it, he's still Kevin Durant. LeBron James is a system. That is the gift of him. He is a system within himself where he requires a certain amount of players around him to accentuate all the things that he does great. You can't have another, you know, excellent top-heavy ball handler. You got to have finishers. You got to have shooters. You got to have rebounders so you can spread out everything that he does well. Kevin Durant, all you got to do is give him the ball, man. Just give him the ball. Okay. Look, I, I don't buy it, though. I guess I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't think you can just drop I'm not, it. I'm not selling it. about Kevin Durant is true. Okay, I'm not so selling it. I can't because you can't because it's not sellable. That was it's good. It's not sellable. That was good. It's that, not sellable hey, because that, that was if good. You, that was good. <laughs> if you drop, if you drop Durant, Durant doesn't make the Sacramento Kings a fifty-win team. He doesn't. Why, do, Durant why doesn't, doesn't he? make? Yes, he does. Why doesn't, doesn't he? You just haven't seen it. You just haven't seen it. Because he doesn't bring. He doesn't bring everything to the game the that LeBron does. He doesn't. It, Michael Holly, here's. Here, I'm, I'm going to tell you the separator between Let, Kevin Durant because we got to move. I got you. The last word between Kevin Durant and LeBron James and Kevin Durant surpassing him. When Kevin Durant became a more engaged defender and LeBron James became a selective mm-hmm. one, that's when he surpassed him. That was the line of demarcation. No further questions, Your Honor. No further questions, but you wow, know what, Kevin now Durant... You, now you're using too many big words. Size. Right, Mike Smith? Right, Mike Smith? Now you're using too many big words. We're going to take it as disrespect and we're going to move forward. Proper shoe size. Uh, we got to get this in. Yes, exactly. Who knows what would happen? History be different. We got to get this in real quick. Your excuses. Doc Rivers. Mike, I don't think you saw this. Doc Rivers today on Morning Joe, as he continues to promote his podcast, had a great line. Vinny, a week from now when we talk to you, who the hell knows what's going to happen in Philadelphia, okay? Media day is around the corner. It's going to be a circus. 
Here's what Doc Rivers said on Morning Joe today about the Ben Simmons situation. Ben Simmons says he wants out of Philly. Have you talked to him? Are you going to convince him to stay? Well, I'm going to try. I mean, there's times that I think uh, we're getting through, and then there's times that I think uh, that I'm talking to people who still believe Trump won the election. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep trying. Let me say that. All right, well, well, let's hope you get him back. I know you'd like to take another crack at him and give him another chance in the playoffs. Okay, that that's perfect. That's perfect. Like, Doc got jokes, but serious business. Like, Simmons ain't trying to hear your media tour, your PR bandage, your band-aid that you do. Like, he's not, he's, not, he's not buying it. He's not getting through to him. Vinny, your crystal ball tells you, what are we going to see? What's going to happen between now and and the next time we see you next Friday, or maybe sooner, you know, if you're around, Ben Simmons going to get moved, stalemate, what? what? Where are we here? Limbo? We ain't going to see Ben Simmons. We might see some shooting around videos. You know what I mean? We might see him hopping in and out of a Lambo, but that relationship is a relationship that needs to end, and apparently Doc Rivers does not know that yet. And I don't know about y'all. If you've been in some one-ended relationships that you know it needs to end and they don't, that is awfully uncomfortable. Kind he knows like, it though. So you're saying Doc is stalking him? Doc is stalking Not him. Stalking him but, but she but but Doc keeps showing up and wondering why the key don't work he and just knocking on the door. Just, 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 just a little trying yeah. to figure out why, I'm, no, why I'm taking up 75% no, of the that's bed. Talking. I got you. Doc cheated without a prenup, is what happened. And now he knows it's cheaper to keep her. That's what they're saying. <laughs> they went looking around for that 20%, trying to figure out who we could upgrade. With. We only want one business. And now it's like, all oh, hell, we got, we got to live with him. We got to figure out how to play nice because it's cheaper to keep her. That's what this, that's what, what this situation what, what, hey, was. Wasn't, wasn't in, when the dude's name Mike in the Why Did I Get Married movie who was doing all that? Ball-headed black guy. Wasn't his name Mike? It was. Not, not saying, it was. Not saying it you, was. Mike. Not saying you Michael Smith, because you are. You are. No, you I know. Clearly cheating on Jill Spice. Scott. And then you saw how Jill Scott got all glammed up? You saw what happened oh, to Jill Scott? The, the full glam yeah. up. He was a jerk, though. He was a jerk, Jill man. Scott he made, got a jump. He made us hard. He made all of us chocolate brothers. He had to get off the plane. He had to get off the plane, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.